This is Growing Pulse Crops, and I'm your host, Tim Hamrich. Today on episode 11 of season three. 95% of our course participants had a better understanding of U.S. supply chain. 99% had a better understanding of quality. And 51% increased their purchase of U.S. commodities as a result of what they learned in our courses. Mark Jurek of Northern Crops Institute joins the show to talk about value-added product development and their role in innovation and education of a variety of crops, including, of course, pulses. Northern Crops Institute is an international meeting and learning center that unites customers, commodity traders, technical experts, and professors for discussion and education. Since 1983, over 133 nations have sent participants to NCI who are government representatives, private industry agriculture workers, or from other commodity utilization industries. Mark's background is on the commodity trading side. He's been in this role with NCI for about four years now and says he's excited to do this work and proud of what NCI has been able to accomplish over the years. We are a four-state entity based in Fargo, North Dakota on the campus of NDSU. We represent Minnesota, Montana, North Dakota, and South Dakota. And our mission is to grow markets for crops grown in those four states. We're actually celebrating 40 years this year, and our, our founders had the wisdom to know that crops don't end at borders, nor do crop quality. So they said, you know, we need to step back. Um, if you go back to the early 1980s, it was not a fun time in agriculture in this region. Between inflation and other problems, was kind of at the height of the farm crisis. And I, and I really, I look back 40 years ago and think those people really had a vision to say, we want to market our crops different. We want to look at how we add value different. We want to make sure we're adding value back to the region. My background is actually in business. So I, I spent uh, 17 years working for uh, one of the major grain trading companies. And coming over to NCI four years ago, one of the questions I asked myself is, is what value do we bring? We actually hired a third party company to do a survey of our course participants and our tech service clients. And the results kind of shocked me. So we found as a result of our courses, um, so these are a short courses. this would have been from 2018 and 19. And we did the survey in late 2020. I wanted to see the difference, right? I wanted to see the impact on behavior that we made. So this would have been one to two years backward looking. Um, what we found was as a result of our courses, 95% of our course participants had a better understanding of US supply chain. 99% had a better understanding of quality, and 51% increased their purchase of U.S. commodities as a result of what they learned in our courses. In order to carry out their mission, NCI focuses on product development work and technical training and education. Mark says over the years, they've really ramped up the product development services that they offer. And like everyone else, they really had to adapt to the events of these past couple of years. Uh, one quick clarification, this interview did take place back in December of 2021. So keep that in mind as Mark is discussing timing. So our operations have actually uh, ebbed and flowed a little bit. So when you look at our legislative charter, we are a, an agency in North Dakota, and they actually laid out eight pretty broad tasks. So our, our mission is really to complement um, what the university systems do. So our, our job is not to do direct research, but to do product development work, as well as, as technical education and training. When they started, it was a pretty bare bones operation. It was a director and an assistant. They added somebody to help uh, plan courses. Over time, that's grown where that technical service aspect or helping customers get products to market has grown considerably and the education has grown considerably. So I think after they got into it a few years, they said, we have these laboratories sitting with equipment. We really need to make sure that we're using this for the best of the industry. And so they started ramping up that technical service and it's grown to be a pretty key component of what we've done. 
just in the last few years. And part of this is the pandemic has really forced us to take a look at how we do things. So when we talk about education and, and technical education, historically, that has been in-person training. So we'd work with uh, U.S. Dry Pea and Lentil, U.S. Wheat Associates, U.S. Grains Council, U.S. Soy Export, kind of all the international marketing arms that farmers utilize their checkoff dollars for to bring participants to Fargo. We do some domestic facing courses as well. And obviously with the pandemic, that couldn't happen. So we ended up moving a lot of that education online. We had the good fortune shortly before the pandemic started, we actually brought on a part-time professor in ag education because education online is very different than in person. And knowing those methods, knowing how to conduct those educations, it changes how you do things. Um, so we moved some of our courses online. We actually released our first handbook in 2020 and, and just actually released our second handbook. Um, the first one was full fat soybean meal feeding. And the second one is ancient grains of the Great Plains. And then we, we started a number of webinar series. On a weekly basis, we're, we're generally conducting a webinar. We've got three webinar series, one called NCI Market Updates. It's held the first and third Wednesday of every month, the one in the middle. The third Wednesday is looking at markets. Every month, the U.S. Uh, releases their World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates. And we put on a webinar where we bring in a marketing expert to talk to international buyers on, on what's going on with the markets and what the latest WASA report said. Usually the first of the month, we have a special edition. So as, as an example, in November, we had somebody on talking about container freights and what's going on in the container markets. In December, uh, just last week, we had somebody talking about the Panama Canal and what's been going on with ocean freights. Uh, in January, we've got somebody lined up. Uh, Daryl Richardson with the North Dakota Egg Weather Network does a really nice recap of global weather. So when we start talking about global supply chains, international buyers are always interested what's going on with El Nino or La Nina. How does harvest look in Australia? How do growing conditions look in China? Where might some of those problems areas be? Daryl joins us about every three months just to give us that perspective. We've got another one called Future of Feeding, where we're looking at innovative things happening in, in feeding. We've had somebody talking on the latest advances in aquaculture to uh, we just had somebody talking about remote monitoring of dairy cattle here a couple months ago. So pretty broad range on that Future of Feeding. And then the other one is Cereal Innovators, Cereal with a C. People talking about innovative things happening with cereal grains. And those have also really changed the game, opened us up to new audiences, but also they've really given us some really good innovative course ideas and, and some things we might not have thought of before as a result of some of those webinars. And for a long time, Mark has understood the value of the U.S.'s reputation for high quality products. He recalls some instances earlier in his career that really emphasized just how important this is for domestic producers. In my past career, one of my jobs was selling export wheat, and I had the chance to go down to Mexico and visit with some of the flour millers and with a gentleman from Canada. This is when the Canadian Wheat Board was going away, and it was, who's ever going to want to buy wheat from the U.S.? And those flour millers, when they found out I was selling U.S. wheat, they were very impressed with the quality out of the U.S. They had a lot of respect for the U.S. system. The wheat industry has done a fantastic job of making sure people know that there is a difference between U.S. wheat or Australian wheat or Canadian wheat, and those flour millers respect that. The other one, soybean meal, I, I used to be involved in the soybean meal trade, and same thing, where we had an end-use customer that they received U.S. soybean meal for the first time in a long time, and there's some initial complaints about it, but then once we switched back to the other origin, it was, well, wait a minute, my animals aren't performing as well, and actually doing a deep dive into what might have caused that. We have this idea that a pulse grown in the U.S. is the same as Australia and those growing conditions, 
the protein content, the available protein, there's a lot of different aspects, especially when you start talking nutrition. All commodities are not graded equal. And those growing conditions and, and varieties do play a part. When those checkoff dollars are used for researching new varieties, all those varieties go through quality checks. And I think sometimes, right, as producers or, or as somebody that used to be involved in the commodity trade, it was, well, it's about quantity. It's about quantity. But really, it's if you can find something that has a better extractable protein, if you can find something that, that has better end-use characteristics, those end-use processors are, are watching their bottom line, and they are willing to pay for it. Now, as far as the details of exactly what products the NCI is developing for pulses specifically, Mark isn't able to share a lot of those details due to confidentiality. And a lot of what we do are with companies and, and we sign NDAs. So I have to be a little bit careful about what we share. I can say, right, when we start talking technical services, I mentioned the survey. We actually did a survey of, of our tech service clients as well. And on average, our technical service clients are investing 16%, are growing their businesses on average 16% in the region as well. And we've done a lot of work with pulses. When you look at our laboratories, we've got an extrusion lab, we've got a pasta lab, we've got a baking lab, we've got a feed mill. And so we can do a very broad range of of different services as it relates to pulses. And again, unfortunately, I can't go into a lot of the specifics, but pulses are a very versatile crop. And when you start looking the last 10, 15, 20 years, we've been in this protein pull market and pulses have been a very important component of that. Well, to give us some sense of just how the process works, I asked Mark for maybe a hypothetical situation of a company who wants to explore the development of a new pasta, for example, made from a pulse crop. In that case, they would pay NCI to essentially help them through their development process. Correct. So so there is, we, we've got a, uh, a service fee. So only a portion of our funding actually comes from state support. The rest of it comes from earned income, whether that's a tech service fee um, or a course fee. So they'll come to us and say, we've got this idea to produce a new, a new product, and here's the ingredients we want to use, here's the recipe, can you see if that's going to work through your system? That way, they can then take that product to a co-packer or somebody else to, to continue to move it forward down that supply chain with the goal of, of bringing it to market. And so to emphasize something Mark said earlier, what they do is not really research. They leave that to the university system and extension, but is everything related to the product development, the technical services process to get the final product consumer ready? We don't do any research. We leave that mainly for the folks at the university level, but we'll really run the full, it'll be everything from where somebody says, right, I want to produce a high protein pasta. There's also times we'll have clients that will come in and say, I've produced this product and it's not performing. What could be going wrong with the ingredient or with the processing? So we'll start trying to eliminate, right? Help them try and figure out what went wrong in the process or if there's something that, that they should be looking at in their process that'll help eliminate those problems to bring a better product to market. So it's everything from, from raw processing all the way to the final consumer package good. This vantage point has given Mark a unique perspective on the global agricultural industry. I asked what he's seeing that keeps him optimistic about the work he's doing and about pulses more specifically. That's a good question. And a couple things. Number one, I would say the demand continues to look bright. We get so used to looking at the world through our lens, right? Sitting in far North Dakota or wherever we are in the United States, we forget that it's a really big world. And I've been fortunate in my past career and, and a little bit in this career to travel to some, some pretty far corners of the world. 
and we forget how lucky we are to have the food systems we do to have safe affordable meat right go to the grocery store and see the shelves stocked we really are blessed to live where we do and when you start talking protein protein is such a baseline for human development and so i think for our growers just knowing that when we start looking at international development the focus has really been on china um, there's growing focus on india there's a lot of populations around the world that are still struggling to get the protein they need. So I think whether it's farmers or whether it's it's people within industry, it's make sure that that we're developing those supply chains. Obviously, the, the Indian market has been a pretty key one here over the last couple of years. There's a lot of other places, whether you start talking Africa or other parts of, of Asia, there's going to be people that are hungry for protein. And I think pulses fit a very nice niche for those people. To continue to help the industry meet the product development needs of this growing global demand, NCI is going to be moving into a brand new facility on the North Dakota State University campus. Um, it was recently we did groundbreaking for a brand new building here a little over two weeks ago. So we are excited to be part of the Peltier Complex, which is going in on the campus of NDSU. It will be the, the largest academic building on the campus of NDSU, and it's going to house the Northern Crops Institute, Meat Science, cereal science, as well as uh, the ag engineering pilot plant. And the reason I bring that up is protein is a key aspect of what we're trying to do in that building. We are planning on having a protein lab that'll have the ability to do fractionation, which is a key part of, of trying to separate out those proteins and, and making those component pieces when you start talking about some of the new product development. Really being able to extract that protein, transportation shipping costs are not going down anytime soon the way it feels. And it makes more sense oftentimes to ship a high protein concentrate um, when you start talking food development, then sometimes it does to ship the raw commodity. So being able to do that processing domestically, but when you start talking protein, there's still a lot of room in the marketplace for snack foods and, and extruded products. You look at some of the things that we can do on our, on our twin screw extruder, and it's pretty remarkable. Everything from puff snacks to other texturized vegetable protein, those types of things that uh, globally the market's in demand for. Mark says this new facility will help NCI's work on behalf of farmers to best position themselves for the future ahead. I think those markets are going to continue to shift and evolve. So our focus is, if you look historically, it's been a lot to China, Japan, um, a little bit of India. When I look at where my team is looking to travel, it's going to be um, farther into Southeast Asia. It's going to be more into the Middle East. I think market-wise, that's where the future is heading. And I think increasingly in Africa, you look at where the population is expected to be in 20, 30 years, and today their economies may not support it, but you have some of the fastest growing economies in the world today happening in Africa. And those people are going to be looking for protein and, and, and looking for ways to feed themselves. So, so I think we can't look at the established markets, but we need to start looking at what's next as NCI and I think as a pulse industry. As NCI, we are looking at some opportunities to do some market development work in the regions, in Southeast Asia and in Africa here in the next uh, 12 to 18 months. And we're looking forward to that, partnering with a couple other organizations to see, see what we can do on the ground. And again, make sure that people know who NCI is, but more importantly, when they think of quality pulses, they think of our region. So I think that from a market development standpoint and education standpoint, that's going to be key. I think from a product development standpoint, there is a reason when we're building the new building that we're having one lab specifically on protein, protein extraction. That's going to be, I think, a key part of the future going forward for both food as well as for livestock. I think there's still a lot of opportunity in livestock development using pulses. It is generally a, a higher 
value protein, but I think there are markets that will pay for that. The other thing that we're looking at is is fermentation. So our intent is to have a fermentation lab in the new building. And we start looking at some of the benefits of fermented foods. I think that science continues to grow and evolve as well. And I think that could play a key part in pulses as well. There's also a reason that we're going to continue to work with the extrusion lab and look at expanding what we have there as well, just because I, I think globally there's still room for extruded snacks. I think we're all used to the, the puff snacks and, and some of the old standbys. But I think when it comes to pulses, we're finding that there's a lot of the the old standbys. I think most people have just seen the uh, the sale of the pretzel business out of uh, out of North Dakota, right? Who would have guessed a pretzel business? But I think there's still a lot of innovation in traditional spaces as well. Well, I hope this episode can shed some light on an important part of the pulse crops industry that really can help drive demand in the future. And that's what Mark says it's really all about for him and the Northern Crops Institute. So from an NCI perspective, it really is about developing markets. And if you think about it from an education standpoint or a market development standpoint, part of it might be short courses, but part of it is being on the ground and talking to those end consumers, making sure that they know the value and the quality of the pulses that we grow and develop here in the U.S. The other piece of it is is that product development work and that quality work. Having the labs, having the equipment to be there when the global consumer and the global companies come and say, we have an innovative idea to use these pulses to develop a new product, or we've got an issue with our process and with the product that we already have. And is that something you can help us try and figure out? This is something that returns. It's about adding value back in rural North Dakota, Montana, South Dakota, Minnesota. It's about increasing the bottom line for growers. Our hope is it's adding jobs back in rural communities as well. I can't give you specific examples, but we do know that there's people investing in the region as a result of the work that we're doing. And those products are are going in the grocery store shelves here domestically, but also it's ending up feeding the world. Well, big thank you to Mark Jerk for taking the time to be on the show today. You can learn more about everything they're doing at Northern Crops Institute over at northern-crops.com. We'll link for that in the show notes as well. And make sure you're a subscriber to this podcast so that you don't miss our next episode with farmer Greg Bush. When you go out uh, on an evening after a rain and you see this ground just swarming with earthworms and you take a shovel and you, you tip up your soil and it, it's got the texture of chocolate cake and it's dark and it's loose and friable and it's not blocky anymore and uh, you can see that that rain that you got is, is has soaked in beautifully. That's kind of the aha moment for me. Again, make sure you're subscribed to this show on your podcast platform of choice so you catch that upcoming episode as well. The Growing Pulse Crops podcast series is overseen by the Pulse Crops Working Group with funding from the North Central IPM Center, USDA NIFA, the USA Dry Pea and Lentil Council, and the North Central Extension Risk Management Education Program. We're releasing these episodes twice per month throughout the growing season, and we want to make sure that the information stays relevant to you. So if you're finding it useful, we'd love it if you'd leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and feel free to tweet us anytime by using the hashtag growingpulsecrops. We'll be back with another great episode in a couple weeks.